0: Good morning. Welcome to Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church on this Christ the King Sunday. It is a Sunday on which we especially raise up the truth that Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords, the one who has charge over all of our lives and indeed all of creation. We gather this Sunday uh, for uh, a service and then I want to just point out in your bulletin uh, some of the things that are coming up in the next couple of weeks. Next week, we start into the season of Advent as we lead towards Christmas. And a couple things to note. One, we are decorating this sanctuary on December 9th at 8.30, and all are welcome to join in at 8.30 a.m. And when we're finished decorating, uh, those of you who are able are invited to to stay after and just help with some of the cleanup that the property committee is looking to do around the campus. Or if you can't quite come as early as 8.30, you can come a little later and help finish setting up and then help with with just trying to to clean up the place a little bit as we uh, continue to step forward into the Advent and Christmas season. Uh, We have uh, our candlelight service coming up on December 17th, 5 o'clock in the sanctuary. And the candlelight reception committee is inviting all members to uh, provide, you can bake goods or finger foods, something for the reception down in the fellowship hall. You can see some of the instructions about what to have and what to maybe avoid and details about how you can drop those off on the morning of Sunday, December 17th are in your bulletin. We are also collecting uh, donated toys, uh, new, new gifts for, for children that they, um, that they can then purchase at a reduced price at a, at a Christmas store that uh, Step Ministries put together. You can read about how our mission committee is organizing for that. If you want to provide donated toys for this particular mission, uh, please do so. Drop them off on the stage in the fellowship hall.
1: Welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia.
0: I invite you to begin finding your seats again, and together we will prepare our hearts and minds to worship the living God.
2: Let us stand together and join in the call to worship. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, the dry land which his hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand.
1: Once again, welcome to the live broadcast of A Service for the Worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church at 1627 Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. This is the 94th year of radio ministry at Grace Covenant, and today's broadcast is number 4,869. Rev. Dr. Robert Holm Lippert is our pastor. This morning's sermon, entitled Seated and Active, will be delivered by Rev. Dr. Holm Lippert. Assisting in the service today are Christopher Martin, our Director of Music and Organist, the Chancel Choir, violin soloist Christine Anderson, and Christopher Tweel, our Associate Pastor for Christian Education. Our church is handicapped accessible with an elevator, wheelchairs, hearing assistance, and large print bulletins and hymnals. Childcare is provided for infants, toddlers, and kindergartners. Worship kits are available for older children at the entrance to the Sanctuary. Her opening hymn is, Crown Him with Many Crowns, which is number 213 in the hymn book.
2: Praise our need, our desire, our want to praise our God, shall never fail in every day of our lives. And so we are invited into a time of confession together so that we may approach God with clear hearts and spirits. Righteous God, you have crowned Jesus Christ as Lord of all. We confess that we have not bowed before him and are slow to acknowledge his rule. We give allegiance to the powers of this world. And fail to be governed by justice and love. And your mercy forgive us. Raise us to acclaim him as ruler of all. That we may be loyal ambassadors. Obeying the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus is the Lord of Lords. And just as our praise should never fail. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will never fail. And so we live each day in the wonderful glory of that grace. Amen.
0: Seated, and I would invite any of our children who are six years and younger to join Reverend Christopher Tweel up front, and they will head on over to Children's Chapel. Spirit, in the same power in which you raised Christ from the dead, breathe in and through these scriptures that this word to us might be your living and active word, shaping, convicting, encouraging, molding us that we might be more faithful followers of you, Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings in his name we make our prayer. Amen. Today is Christ the King Sunday, a day in which we name what is true obviously every day throughout every age and that is that Jesus is Lord, Lord of all, Lord of all of our lives, all of Every nation, all of creation, all of the cosmos. On this Sunday, we, we name it in a particular way, we highlight it in a particular way. And, and on this Sunday, we have two scriptures that offer angles at what we mean by the fact that Jesus is Lord, what that lordship, that rulership, that governance looks like. The first one comes from Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 through 16, and then 20 through 24. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out of the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the watercourses and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, but the fat and the strong I will destroy." I will feed them with justice. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you pushed with the flank and shoulder and butted at the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide, I will save my flock. And they shall no longer be ravaged. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, And he shall feed them, he shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. The word of our Lord, thanks be to God. And from the New Testament, we hear from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A few months ago I was reading this article in the New Yorker about this conversation that's going on among a certain group in our society about apocalyptic possibilities. Some of them, they talk openly about the effects of social media on our society and how it seems to engender fear even more quickly. And and what happens if a whole society gets wound up in so much fear that something unbridled breaks out? Others, others talk about what happens if, if people start to lose faith in, in, in how the country works. If, if if we lose faith in the currency or we lose faith in the peaceful transfer of power, or we lose faith in in the news or we lose faith in the court system or we lose faith in the police or we lose faith in the military. I mean what could that unleash? What if power shifts? What if the current structures fail? What if So Someone else gets into power. What if there's no one in power? What if a nuclear bomb hits? And and, and these what-if conversations are happening, the article highlights, in particular, among some of the wealthiest people in New York City and Silicon Valley. One of the Silicon Valley executives who was interviewed for this particular article talked about this conversation, how it's just more and more frequent in these circles. And he estimates maybe about 50% or so of folks living in Silicon Valley have what is called apocalyptic or apocalypse insurance. And what this means for some is that they, for, they bought some foreign land or a home to which they can fly to uh, if need be. For many, it involves purchasing a sizable bunker somewhere underground in the U.S. with all kinds of supplies and vehicles and weapons and security guards. I have a helicopter gassed up at all times in an underground bunker with an air filtration system, one executive said and a lot of folks do not only have the air filtration system, they, they've chosen light fixtures that will mirror the reality of sunlight. So they won't have that. They've, they've painted walls with murals that look like landscapes they really appreciate. They have extra prescriptions filled for their glasses and contacts. So they don't go without that. What, what strikes me about this story is that these are really, right, some of the most creative, problem solving, determined, confident minds. They founded many businesses and organizations we all know of and use. And of course, on top of that, these are, these are easily some of the most financially secure people, not only in the world, but, but really throughout all of history. I mean, their grandchildren for a long time will be fine. And yet they are so very anxious, openly so, about this conversation. Anxious about instability, anxious about an uprising from within or from without, anxious about collapse. What if, for all of the power and all of the stability, why is there so much anxiety? I mean, gosh, even if we had a sliver of some of that money, that would make us less anxious about them, some things, right? Right? If we had just a sliver of that kind of power to get a few things done we need to, to make happen in our lives, in this city, in this church, that put us a little more ease, right? If we just had a sliver of some of those connections, some of those resources, we'd breathe a little easier, right? In Ephesians, Paul addresses the church at Ephesus. It's a church with reason for anxiety, The church there is a minority religion with a whole bunch of skeptical people watching. The church is surrounded by the rising threat of real persecution, in some ways has already started to to take root. The church is located there in one of the most cosmopolitan pagan worshipping cities in the entire empire, where it's it's unlawful and certainly looked down upon not to be worshipping multiple gods. The church has reason to feel unsafe, to feel without power, uh, to not be settled with a whole bunch of peace, to tiptoe. And actually Paul does give them a resource for living faithfully, fully amidst this anxiety. But it is not more money or, or positions of influence or in the government or, or more resources. The gift Paul gives the church is perspective. Perspective. We stayed in Afton, Virginia a couple nights last month, and at one point we did this, hump, this trail, uh, humpback trail, a uh, very steep climb. Maybe you've, some of you have done it, and you get to the top, and it overlooks the whole region. And, and if you've done the hike, then you know at the top you're overlooking in every direction these beautiful rolling hills of green forest and the vineyards, just a remarkable expanse of life. Well, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, Paul is, is, in many ways, basically taking the church up humpback trail and showing them reality as it truly is for as far as the eye can see and further. And that reality, Paul wants to show the church, can really be summed up in three words. Jesus is Lord. Verses 15 to 23, they're actually one long, meandering sentence in the original Greek, it's as, as if the truth Paul is trying to express can't be captured in sort of pithy bullet points. Jesus is Lord as this truth that spreads and covers and winds all along and around and through all of the terrain. It is expansive, it is beautiful, it is full. It can never be fully comprehended or captured for in declaring plainly that Jesus is Lord, Paul's making a few fundamental assumptions about reality and how it is covered. He's saying that Jesus, who is himself love, Jesus has all power, all authority, all dominion over every single ruler, every single leader, every single government, nation, president, business, individual, family, church, church situation he's declaring that profound benevolence governs all things in this age and in every age and that all things ultimately are being conformed so that his kingdom of love and justice and life is made known fully on earth as it is in heaven profound benevolence is in charge Paul goes further and says that this Jesus who is Lord is seated at the right hand of God. Seated, settled, it's a done deal. Paul names in this, in this imagery the certitude, certitude that good will win, that love will win, that Jesus' Lordship is not going to be overthrown or thwarted or cut short. And so at a primal level, it is impossible to grow overly anxious about what might happen to the church, to the city, to the nation, to the world, to our company. At a primal level, it's impossible to believe that the shoe is eventually going to drop and all kinds of bad things are going to overwhelm and overcome. And bad things may come, but most definitely not prevail because at a most basic level, what Jesus' is Lord declares as that love and justice and life are seated and situated and certain. Ultimately. And not only does Paul declare that Jesus is Lord, that's the seated, basic, fundamental truth of reality, Paul then reminds the church that God has given us. Verse 19, immeasurable, immeasurable greatness of power. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that church is at work in you. So Paul, in essence, not only draws us to look up at this wide vista of truth that Jesus is Lord. But then Paul invites the church seated upon that ledge, considering the beauty of that truth and all of its implications, to then inhale deeply the Holy Spirit air that we might know for ourselves, the power that creates all that, that sustains all that, that redeems all that, that power is alive in us. The Silicon Valley people are not entirely off base with their concerns. We live in anxious times. We don't know when the next shooting happens or bombing will take place on the streets or yet another house of worship We don't know about our health tomorrow. We don't know about our job come next year. We don't know how it will work out for us or for our children or our grandchildren with this or that. There is much about which we can and we do. Grow anxious. And I think one of the most common temptations in the face of anxiety is to build bunkers to situate ourselves as far from the fearful stuff as possible and and just sort of place ourselves inside the walls of our hobby or just live inside the walls of our job where we know what we're doing and we can at least control this or, or, or live inside the walls of drink or drug or live inside the walls of a certain way of thinking or live inside the walls of our shopping or live inside the walls of the church. Surely the church will not change even if the rest... Goes in so many directions. Sociologists they'll talk about how in times of heightened anxiety for, for people, groups, or just even individual, that is when we are most prone to nostalgia. Not that nostalgia is all bad, but in times when our lives or society are particularly anxious, feel particularly out of control or fearful, that is when they say people try and hold most tightly to some vision. Of yesterday. That is when people are most prone to build a bunker and then they'll paint the murals inside that of what family Christmas looked like 20 years ago, what church looked like 50 years ago, what the country looked like 30 years ago. Anxiety makes us want to build bunkers for safety, for escape. If we have known in our own lives anxiety in recent days, what's the bunker? We typically go to. If we as a society have breathed air of anxiety recently. What what are the bunkers the church is susceptible to building? Paul does not tell the church situated in cosmopolitan Ephesus to hunker down or bunker down or weather the storm. Grab what you can because you don't know. Paint murals of, of yesterday when God gave you a promised land. Paul will do nothing to pull them out of their current reality. Because the truth is an escape from reality is certain to lead paradoxically to more anxiety, not less. It's, it's a bit like stuffing down feelings, right? They still come out in all these small ways. And, and you can only escape them from so long before they, they blow up and the truth just needs to be confronted. Escaping just lets the anxiety brew and grow. So Paul doesn't offer an escape, nor does Paul hand them any extra money or extra, again, resources or positions of power because, as the ultra-rich know, these even never seem sufficient to address the root issue. What Paul does is reframe their current reality in light of God's eternal reality. Let's, Let's hike up Humpback Trail and get a view of reality and breathe in the air of truth. Would not the church know profound renewal simply by regularly situating ourselves before that vista in all its beauty and inhaling that air? Perhaps we're here today because quite frankly, we need the Holy Spirit to drag us out of a bunker or out of an anxiety, out of a fear, out of news media inundations that keep us feeling that very Frequently, we just need to be pulled into the truth about reality. We need to breathe some clean air. Jesus is good, Jesus is in charge, and his life courses through your being. And yet, as needful as Paul's invitation to the mountaintop reality is, as needful as it is for us to inhale deeply, regularly, that vista that air we also need ezekiel's description of the lordship of god the one i read from chapter 34 just a bit ago paul right describes jesus as lord in this powerful settled seated situated right hand of god way it anchors us ezekiel describes the same lord but describes his lordship in this intimate active way Listen for the verbs of what the Lord says the Lord is going to do and eventually we see embodied fully in Jesus Christ. The Lord searches for the sheep, seeks them out, rescues them, gathers them, feeds them, makes them to lie down on green pastures, brings them back, binds up the injured, strengthens the weak, gives justice to the fat sheep who got fat withholding from the weak. What you have is this God in continual motion with active verbs on behalf of those who are lost, those in need of rescue, those without a home, those without food, those without rest or reprieve, those bleeding, those wounded, those without strength. And we say, wait, when I sit upon this rock and look out at that vista of reality and the the beauty that Jesus is Lord, Lord, I don't know if I see all that. I mean, I breathe in this wonderful air. I do take hope that Jesus truly reigns. But where's all this wondrous activity? Where's all this great motion? True. You have to walk into the woods to appreciate just how alive that place is. As we hike down... Humpback trail. I, I paused at one point and I looked closely at this leaf-covered ground. There were worms moving along. A little row of ants marching over here. I could hear an animal softly rustling somewhere in the distance, birds overhead. I mean, overlooking the trees from the top of that hike and so forth was, was a beautiful, quiet experience. But when you get right into the trees themselves, the place is teeming with all kinds of quiet, scurrying life. And of course, these animals, these insects, these birds are an ecosystem whose, whose movements and ways of being are, are central to the flourishing of that whole area. And honestly if I didn't step into the woods and didn't slow long enough to really listen I would have walked right by a profound amount of active life all around me. Even in my noticing I know I didn't notice so much more that is always there. If Paul invites us to the top of humpback trail Ezekiel invites us into the forest of reality and Ezekiel invites now listen watch the Lord is on the move and be sure to peek under the leaves of the newspaper and the television the the, the front page isn't always going to tell you just how much life is scurrying in the hidden and small places check the mangers check the marginalized and listen and watch What do we see? What do we hear when we lean in and we look for scurrying, busy, active, gathering, feeding, wound care that God is doing around us? I wonder, as we lean in, do we see one another? Do we see ourselves in some of that scurrying, active work? Because the truth is, we, the church, are the body of God on earth earth, as Paul puts it at the end of Ephesians. We are the conduit through which the act of good lordship of Jesus is made known in the forest. All those active verbs, action verbs of Ezekiel, those are the church's verbs as conduits of God's lordship. Eugene Peterson, he writes, the church is the core element In the strategy of the Holy Spirit for providing human witness and physical presence to the kingdom of God in this world. If you want to see God's active seeking after the lost. God actively providing a spiritual and a physical home for those without. You want to see what it looks like for God to provide a banquet for those hungering. A banquet of spiritual food for those So full of themselves and yet so empty. You want to see what it looks like for God to dress the wounds of those injured by war and injured internally. If you want to see God governing and leading, look at the active, engaged church whose mission it is to live into these words. And no, the church often does not make the front page for this kind of work, but, but, but the church having breathed the good air of the Holy Spirit deeply on the ledge. You better believe the church is, is busy and active and ex- exhaling in ways that contribute to the thriving of the whole ecosystem. So what is our particular role in exhaling the life of Jesus? Which of those verbs in Ezekiel is, is, is a primary manner through which our gifts get exercised in the forest? The truth is, all of us are facing anxieties, individually, culturally, culturally. And anxiety always tempts us to want to escape from reality, to manufacture our own safe space, our own walled-in existence with our favorite people and vistas and ways of being and thinking. And so anxiety chokes and kills and destroys the church and its mission because it, it narrows us into a corner where we actually never feel safe enough. It keeps us from ever getting to the vista of reality. Breathing that air. And and then of course the painful irony is there. Right there in the the forest where we're supposed to be scurrying and active and, and exhaling. We've built artificial bunkers. And so on this Christ the King Sunday the call is for the church in many ways to take a hike. To get again to that vista of truth that Jesus is Lord. And inhale all of its goodness and implications. To sit there. But then don't stay too long, as if we can just fold our hands and and trust God will just do everything. No, we ache for the broken parts of this world, and so we stand back up, filled with the Holy Spirit resurrection air, and we head into the forest. And so for the sake of God's glory, for the sake of the healing of the ecosystem, may the church hike faithfully. Amen. response to God's word, let us stand together, singing, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun."
1: You are listening to the live broadcast of a worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You have just heard this morning's sermon, entitled, Seated and Active, which was delivered by Rev. Dr. Robert Holm Lippert. The congregation will now join in singing, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun." which is number 496 in the hymn book.
0: Continue in worship by confessing together what it is that we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven As we enter into this time of prayer together, I'm going to open by simply reading the 11 verses of Psalm 46, a wonderful psalm that speaks of what it means that Jesus is Lord. And in some ways, we can inhale this truth into our very being as we hear these 11 verses. And after I read these, I will offer a prayer in light of some of the active verbs we heard in Ezekiel. Let us pray. Our gracious Lord, we give thanks for your word, and on this particular Sunday, thank you for the truth we know in and through Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear, he burns the shields with fire. Be still. And know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. God, we give thanks for the truth of your word. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us breathe deep into our very being, its truth. Anchor us in the certainty that you are our refuge, our strength, a very present help, one whose power is stronger than every war and than death itself. And God, we pray and we long that your lordship would be made known and anchor not just deeply within us, but in active and loving, powerful ways all around us. We pray that you would feed those cornered by famine this day. Feed those so full of themselves that their soul is empty. Teach your church, show your church how to be about this work of feeding. Gather those who go another day without home, who go another day in the camp, another day in the shelter. Gather them unto you yourself and your family and a home, and teach us, your church, how to be about such gathering. Bind up the injured. Bind up those grieving from recent shootings in this country, those grieving from the bombing in an Egyptian mosque. More than bind up, strengthen the weak, and bring about your justice in our land, their land, and every land. Bind up those wounded and injured among us. And seek us, we pray. We confess in our anxiety and our fear, we are prone to hunker down. We are prone to build bunkers. We are prone to remove ourselves from tough situations, from fearful conversations, from challenging injustices. And so seek us break down our bunkers if you have to seek us even through your own church draw us to a place where we can breathe the air of your Holy Spirit upon the vista of the truth that you are in charge and all things will work for the good of those who love you seek us and then send us, send us active and scurrying, not anxiously driven, but spirit-driven to be your ambassadors, sure and certain that our good work will be completed because of your good governance in this age and for all time. We unfold our every prayer, our every longing into the prayer you taught us to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, In response to God's goodness, God's grace, God, graciousness, God's lordship, you are called, invited to discern how God is calling you to give financially uh, to the ministry and mission of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church as we seek to, in many active ways, live out the lordship of Jesus Christ among us and to the ends of the earth. As you do that, know that you have those uh, communication cards in your bulletin and ask that you just let us know that uh, you are here. Let us know if we can be following up with you or praying for you in this particular season and you can place this in the offering, play as it comes around. And if you have yet to uh, make a, a financial covenant towards the mission and ministry of grace covenant in 2018 and you and you want to do that you say yeah grace covenant really is my church home but I haven't been able to to, to name what that covenant looks like what that pledge is going to look like uh, you can do so there are covenant cards right there in the pews in front of you and and if that's you you can fill one out and you can place that in the offering plate as it comes around give now as you are led Gracious and loving God, we do rejoice that you are Lord. The most fundamental air we breathe deep within our soul and all of reality is that your good governance reigns in this age and every age to come. Take these, our tithes, our gifts, our offerings, as expressions of gratitude for the goodness and life that we know in you. It's in Jesus' name we make our prayer. Amen. Let us continue in worship as we sing together. All hail the power of Jesus' name. that immediately after our service of worship you can head just down the hallway to our social room where we will have refreshments for you and look forward to seeing you there. Paul invites us to sit on that vista over that vista and take it in and breathe that resurrection air and know deep within our souls that Jesus reigns that a love willing to die for us undergirds and upholds all of our reality and all of the universe. Breathe the good news. And then then once you've breathed it in, Ezekiel invites you to head to the forest and peek under the leaves and look at all the life teeming just below the surface. That is the church alive, exhaling. Breathe in, breathe out. And as you go forth as God's faithful church, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit hold you and keep you this day and all of your days. Amen.
1: For the past hour, you have been listening to the worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Please join us again next Sunday through our radio ministry or in our sanctuary at 1627 Monument Avenue. You're also welcome to join us each Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. for Wednesday night supper. Your announcer today has been John Harris, and the engineers were Steve Kemp, Cameron Baird, Reagan McCullough, and Lauren Todd, our Grace Scholar. This service streams live and can be accessed through the church's website, which is grace-covenant.org. We now return you to Christian Talk Radio on WLES at 590 AM and 107.9 FM. This service occurred on November the 26th, 2017.